0: Now, from the Sunbury Motors studio, here's Steve Jones. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Great to have you with us. Today's show being brought to you by our good friends at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors Kia, Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. Ford, Lincoln, Kia, Hyundai, great pre-owned inventory. You're going to get the buying process started from the... Comfort of your own home at sunburymotors.com. You'll be doing dealing with a great sales staff. Life of the car taken care of by a fabulous service department. All at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. All right. Uh, minor League Baseball. We're going to start with that in a few moments. Uh, then we're going to talk with Rich Scarcella, Redding Eagle on Penn State football. And also... Cindy, born from the Washington Post, on what the Redskins may do with their nickname in Washington. She's covered the team for many, many years. We'll talk with Cindy later in the show. Minor league baseball certainly uh, would be in dire straits. Uh, There is no minor league baseball for the first time since 1901. And Minor League Baseball President Pat O'Connor said that right now we're in dire straits. I still have grave concerns. Uh, Minor League Baseball spokesman Jeff Lance described the plate in the bleakest of terms. If we don't play any baseball this summer, we're going to need a tourniquet instead of a Band-Aid said prior to the announcement that there would be no minor league baseball in 2020. So it's a very difficult situation for our teams because they rely on the gates being open, the people being in seats, and people having a beer in one hand and a hot dog in the other. That's the source of revenue for our teams. When you can't have the gates open, it makes it really, really difficult. If we don't have minor league baseball this, this year, and they're not going to, most of our teams are not going to be looking at 18 months of no revenue. I couldn't think of any business that's built to withstand that, so there's certainly going to be some teams that are going to have to make some really tough decisions here pretty soon. The financial impact could linger because of bankruptcy, foreclosures, and asset transfers. Pat O'Connor from Minor League Baseball said the attrition rate could reach north of half. Of the 160 affiliated minor league teams. Now how this affects Williamsport financially, I don't know. I think State College financially would be fine. Not great, but would be good enough. How about that? J.J. Uh, Gotch, Chief Operating Officer of Ryan Sanders Group, which owns the Astros AAA Club, the Round Rock Express, which plays near Austin, Texas, said, I think there's a good chance that some current owners are not going to be able to retain their teams. I think there are going to be some folks who didn't go into the season as financially stable as others, and for those clubs, they may need some of those owners to sell to different groups. Steven Grazer of the Harvard Business School painted a similar desolate picture. There's going to be a real serious blow. My prediction and projection would be that there would be a meaningful contraction that will happen because of economies. Economics will play a huge role that are not a function of Major League Baseball declaring that Minor League Baseball needs to be contracted. I think there will be a Darwinian contraction Not necessarily huge because teams still have their ballparks and they still have their fans who, if they're doing the right marketing job, they're trying to stay in touch with and trying to do things with. According to minor league baseball, the average gross revenue for a team during the course of the year, and again, the average could be Sacramento, is definitely on the high end of this. Batavia would be on the low end of it would be about $5.4 million. Multiply that times 160. Gross revenues last year for minor league baseball were $864 million. The vast majority comes from game day operations with 60% of the tickets and concession sales. You add in souvenirs, you add in advertising, and the figure grows to about 85 to 90%. On average, again, Sacramento at the top, Batavia probably at the bottom. A minor league baseball club earns about $70,000 of gross revenue per home game. And, of course, minor league baseball makes incredible economic contributions to the surrounding community. Uh, 32,000 part-time seasonal workers, 3,300 employees working full-time. And... According to Minor League Baseball, teams pay a combined annual rent of $65 million. They also make a combined donation of more than $50 million last year in cash and in-kind gifts to charities. Average price Minor League game, $8.36 per ticket. Major League game, $32.99. You want to take a family of four to attend a game? Buy four hot dogs, a couple of beers, a couple of sodas? You want to park the car? Average cost for a Minor League in that scenario, sixty nine, sixty seven. Major League Baseball, $234.38. So what's going to happen? I mean, at some point they're going to have to start negotiating again. J.J. Cooper Baseball America has done a great job. He mentioned something that Joe Putnam had mentioned to me about two, three months ago. Something called the Mid-Atlantic League and also about a split in the South Atlantic League, which... Um, Mark Madden mentioned in the New York Daily
1: News. So, Joe, you know, the Mid Atlantic League, we'll we'll have to see. It was mentioned by JJ Cooper, and he's been he's been in depth Who's on it? this since. The well, beginning. he's been
0: on our show. We've had JJ yes. on the show.
1: That's right. I, yeah, I remember. Yes, I heard him last week with you guys. Yeah. So, uh, and, and
0: remember, let, let, let's face it. Uh, if somebody goes back to what it was like in the summer of 2005, mm-hmm. and then the difference that 2006 made having a ball ball club. Yes, That's, I'll say this. The spikes have never once been taken for granted in this community. Never. I mean, the attendance has always been there. People have always been there, the whole thing. So I, I don't think this is a case of, oh, now I know what it's like without them. I think people are going anyway.
1: Yeah. I think, uh, and listen, we were... Just about to hit two million fans with this season. Right, if we were on track for average, and and honestly, we were we were trending upward before yeah. coronavirus hit. Uh, you know, we were certainly on track for two to welcome our two millionth fan into the ballpark this coming season. Now, obviously, won't be a season this year, but our fifteenth season, we are still making plans for. It's still we're still making dear friends at the ballpark.
0: Uh, Usually uh, the off season is really spent trying to put together what the nights are going to be like. Uh, has that process, I mean, look, everybody's really kind of, no offense, everybody's pr- pretty much known. I mean, as hard as the news was to get, yes. you know, it's going to be delayed. It's I'm gonna, Okay. All right. But everyone's known that the way things were going on the major league level, that it was going to be tough this summer to even think about it. Has the process started in terms of what people are thinking about for next year? Because because if the tumblers fall into place, mm-hmm. there actually would be more games.
1: Well, I mean, certainly we've got a lot of experience uh, putting promotional schedules together, putting everything together. I mean, you know, you look at myself, Scott Walker, you, Steve, as well, Matt Neary, Dan Petruzzolo, guys who have been around the ball club for over a decade. I mean, in terms of our staff, we we're, we're very well versed in putting these events together. If we you know go up from thirty-eight events per summer to more than that to forty, fifty, sixty to seventy-one, I think we have the wherewithal to do that. And even now, you know, in putting together these events, really our mindset is still trying to provide the same sort of experience that we constantly provide. Now, obviously, yeah. there are restrictions, there are guidelines that we have to follow. Uh, you know, there's not as many people at these events, but our mindset is still the same of what we what we seek Absolutely. to provide, what we strive to provide as an experience to fans at the ballpark. And, and you know, it, right now, it's a very special experience to be able to go out to enjoy a ballpark, uh, even just to see the fireworks. I know that yeah. uh, many people, that's what they're intention is for for their families on saturdays just to get out get out of the house have some fun have some fun in a safe environment and see a fantastic fireworks show in fact this year you you, you kind of get two a uh, twofer this year, uh, you know. Obviously, right, the Central yeah. PA Fourth Fest fireworks have always been a spectacular fireworks show, but now you've got two simultaneous shows that you can see from one location.
0: There have been uh, some ballparks that have opened up their concessions and so forth. Is mm-hmm. is that something that is a consideration at some point?
1: Well, right now we don't really. Uh, right now we won't have our concessions open. We're still working through. So we're we're hoping to provide. Options in the near future. Yeah, I meant down the road. I didn't mean down Saturday. the road, it's it's uh, it's certainly a possibility. Yeah. We've got we've got several ideas that that we're working through right now, and and again, obviously, all of our ideas. I mean, we we're in minor league baseball. We have some crazy, uh, you know, <laughs> ideas, but we have to make them fit within the parameters of this day and age and the circumstances we find ourselves in. So, mm-hmm. I, I think once we finalize that, kind of massage those. A little bit, I think. Then we'll be able to provide them out to everybody,
0: and also gear it off the rack
1: outfit. Absolutely, we still have got that fifteenth season gear available, which, by right the way, now. is
0: applicable still.
1: Yeah, exactly, <laughs> our fifteenth season's coming up. Yeah, it's coming up a little later than we we had hoped, hopefully. Yeah. But uh you know, it, we still have fifteenth season gear. We have other great items. I, I know a lot of folks. <laughs> Uh, got those Father's Day deals. Father's Day's now passed, so you might have missed out on those deals, but you can still get great items uh, inside the store. We'll have, uh, I believe, some opportunities uh, for you in the near future to come out to the store. But, of course, the yeah. online store is available 24-7 at statecollegespikes.com. Uh, you can uh, log in, make, place your orders, and you can do so and get them delivered anywhere. So even if you've got relatives that uh, are missing out on minor league baseball in other parts of the country, send them some Spikes gear. Help them uh, help them out a little bit. Give them that a little bit of that game day experience at Medlerfield.
0: And, again, don't forget, it's. Um, I, I think it's still really important for people to get involved with the Save Our Spikes campaign. Yes,
1: yeah, SaveOurSpikes.com is still up and running, and we've got even new, new stuff, including ballpark rentals, including, uh, of course, we had the auction of uh, the jerseys uh, mm-hmm. that has run out, but I will say this— Keep your eyes peeled. We might have some more opportunities as well to bid on game-worn jerseys from uh, major leaguers who got their start with the Spikes, some uh, Spikes standouts of the past, as well as some of those uh, theme night jerseys. Uh, we, we may yet still have some uh, Jerome Bettis gold jacket uh, jerseys still uh, nice. available for bids in the near yeah. future. So if you're a fan of the bus... Keep your eyes peeled and be on the lookout for that. Uh, of course, thanks to our uh, partnership with Live Source for all of those auctions. It's amazing
0: how uh, he ties everything together. <laughs> In other words, <laughs> he talks about Jerome Bettis, the bus, while earlier referencing that they will play the soundtrack from The Bus on Saturday night. It all ties exactly. together. There's There's themes. There's themes to this. I will say this. There is only one benefit, and only one, by the way. Mm -hmm. This will be a season where, for the first time in your career, you will be undefeated Undefeated. against the dog. (laughs) Undefeated. (laughs) Against the dog. Undefeated. Against the dog. Zero losses. Next season, in your first go-around, you and I are going to put together a video, <laughs> and in the video we will explain that in 2020
1: you were undefeated against the dog. We undefeated. will not.
0: We will not explain how it
1: happened. <laughs> we need shirts. That's what we need on this. We need oh, shirts. I'll wear the shirt. Undefeated. Putt. Undefeated. 2020. Huh?
0: Little scoreboard video before you go out for your big deal. I love it. Right. Love it. And then we'll explain that, right, in 2020 you had no losses against that thing.
1: (laughs) Well, you know what's going to happen? Bob's going to hear word of this. He's going to challenge me. Empty stadium match. Nobody will know about it. It's true. We can just fib. It'll be like the fight at the end of Rocky. Okay. That's right.
0: Yeah. When is that when does that ever happen on our
1: broadcast? <laughs> <laughs> Why never, Steve?
0: Good response, Joe. <laughs> That'll be one thing about being twenty twenty one. That'll be the fifteenth season of the Spikes. I can say it's my fifteenth season and the dates two thousand six to twenty one will match up. Yeah, that makes sense. It's the fifteenth anniversary.
1: <laughs> in every way, shape, and form.
0: Brad Furnace, left hander and outside for a ball to James Barksdale.
1: Yes, who ended up playing for the Spikes eventually. The, very the, next, ne- the
0: year. next year Barksdale made one of the memorable plays in the history of Meadowlark Field Orlando Park,
1: <laughs> and it was
0: not for the Spikes. Nope. It helped the Spikes. Nathan Southard, first season. Uh we talked about Mark Hamilton who's now a doctor on the front lines of yes. COVID in Queens. Well, Hamilton came to State College uh, eventually, he made the majors. His teammate at Tulane was Nathan Southard. Yep. Well, Mark Dijon was no fan of Hamilton. <laughs> okay, I told Joe this story. I think it's right. safe to say, right. yeah. yeah. Okay, <laughs> but I told Joe this story. He, th- he thought Hamilton was a prima donna, so he's gonna bring him down several pegs to get him there. I Meanwhile, Hamilton coming to me goes, What is his problem? I said, Mark, just just play just listen to him, okay? That's all I'd say to him. I said, Mark, just listen to him. All right, all right, all right, all right. He suspended him for two games. Like fans don't know. He's like he just wasn't in the lineup. Well, Southerd is the center fielder. Mm-hmm. So the Spikes are playing an extra inning game back when you played extra innings normally. Yes. <laughs> He hits a sinking line drive to center field, right? In a tie game in the, in the 10th inning. Barksdale comes in, charges in, dives for it, misses it, never hit his glove. Yep. Goes all the way to the wall, and Southern wins the game on a walk-off inside the park home run. A run-off? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> a run-off
1: walk-off
0: walk inside the park home run.
1: The next year, I was talking with John, uh, John Foreman about that exact same play. The next year, he said. James Barksdale came in. He would answer any questions, any fun questions. He would not talk about that right. play.
0: Barksdale said to me, and he he, he was out of Alabama, mm-hmm. right? Southern accent. He says, "Can you do me a favor, Steve?" I said, "Sure." He says, "Don't mention I was involved ever in that play." <laughs> now, now those yeah. those season we did. I mean, now yeah. it's fifteen years later. Yeah. I mean, okay, and I mean, or fourteen years later. I, no offense, we can talk about all we want now. He just didn't want to. I mean, he felt embarrassed by it. So we never once mentioned it. The uh, uh, dam was the other guy, the second guy at the time. Yeah. And we never once mentioned that he was the center fielder. <laughs> I was involved in that play. Yeah, Joe, thanks. Steve, thank you. The Outstanding Joe Putnam. We'll go from minor league to major league baseball. Coming up next, Scott Franski, the voice of the Philadelphia Phillies. After that, Cindy Bourne, Washington Post, and Rich Scarcella here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Sports Talk, where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors studio, here's Steve Jones. Welcome back. Great to have you with us on this Tuesday. Brought to you by Sunbury Motors, Fourth Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, Routes 11 and 15, and Hummel's Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. Ford, Lincoln, Kia, Hyundai. Great product lines. Awesome pre-owned inventory, great sales staff, a lot of deals, too. Interest rates, tremendous right now. And on top of that, a fabulous service department, all at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia Roots 11 and 15 in Hummels Wharf. And online at sunburymotors.com. Well, Eagle 107 this year is going to be your home for Philadelphia Phillies baseball. Uh, up to this point, we would be listening to Scott Franski. Uh, we haven't heard that voice all season long. Well, at least we're about 17 days away from hearing it again. The voice has been silent, and now we're about to hear him. Scott, welcome back. Great to have you with us.
2: What do you mean silence? I've been yelling at my kids for months. Are you
0: kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> Mine are all grown now, Scott. So I gave up on that. Now uh, I'm the one when they yell at their kids. I'm the grandfather. That goes, it's okay. <laughs> it's
2: all right. They tell me they tell me they want help with their fourth grade math, and I can't help them. So you know,
0: did you see? Did you? There was a cartoon that was put out probably in, in some in April, and. Two girls are standing in the driveway and one says, "Oh, my teacher's just so hard. Just doesn't get it. Yells at me all the time." And the older one says, "It's okay. Mom's doing the best she can." <laughs> <laughs>
2: yes, exactly. Yeah, I know I was, we all went through it, right? But uh, we're looking forward to I'm looking forward to starting my uh, real job again.
0: Yeah, exactly. Let me ask you this. What is the importance in your opinion for example the NBA LeBron James says he's playing Anthony Davis says he's playing so far the stars have all said they're playing Giannis is playing how important is it for baseball that their stars I mean you have, with all due respect to Ian Desmond and Mike Leake and Ryan Zimmer that their stars say they're playing
2: I mean I think anytime your stars are on the field or on the court or on the ice uh, it makes a big difference I mean that's why people want to watch, because they want to see the best of the best. And yes, uh, with all due respect to those players you mentioned who have opted out, um, not to say they won't be missed by their respective teams, and uh, not to say they don't have uh, their fair share of fans, but uh, you know, it'd be a bit different if somebody like Mike Trout said, you know what, I'm going to take the year off. Um, That'd be pretty substantial for the sport if, if somebody like Trout wanted to do that.
0: So how do you view the second spring training? Is it starting all over again?
2: Uh, I don't think it's starting all over again. I, I think teams have a pretty good idea. I think teams were starting to get a pretty good idea uh, of, of what their their clubs were going to look like. I mean, I know from the Philly standpoint, there were a few jobs uh, to be had in, in terms of the bullpen. Uh, maybe a... You know, there's some extra bench bats. I mean, the, the managers and the general managers have the leeway now of, of having extra time to decide in the sense that teams are going to open with 30 players. So that's four more than they would have had, and that that could make a huge difference. Um, you know, so I, I you know, I don't know if it's a complete start-over situation. I guess that's going to be player-to-player, depending on how many, you know, what kind of reps they were getting in. But um, I think – Part of it is going to be it's going to be slow going, Steve, in the beginning, because it's everybody's sort of feeling out the new guidelines, the new regulations, the smaller workout groups, things of that nature.
0: Yeah, and that's that's what we've talked about here at Penn State. You know, the small groupings that they're working with and work and going forward, working with small groupings. Uh, when you look at the Phillies on the field, getting into this thing. How many pitchers, realistically, do you think teams will need in the first, I don't know, three weeks of this thing? And I don't mean the spring training part, I mean the actual playing part. Right, right.
2: I i mean, I don't know. I really didn't think they'd need that many extra guys, um, but uh, I guess, you know, it just helps the manager's. Helps pitching coaches feel a little more comfortable about it. Helps players, you know, the pitchers themselves feel a little more comfortable about it. Um, You know, it's not to say they wouldn't, you know, it's not like they're going to have extra starting pitchers, but they will have, uh, you know, maybe an extra long man, um, an extra or two situational guy uh, to help them get through. But, you know, I mean, they kind of mitigate it in the same breath with the fact that they've got the three-hitter you know, minimum rule, right. and they've got this this extra inning situation, which which could really cut down on the need for extra arms. But, you know, again, I guess it's team to team, player to player. Um, I would expect that in three weeks, four weeks' time, Aaron Nola will be ready to throw, you know, 90 pitches right out of the chute and, and, uh, and be at 100 in, in almost no time flat. But, you know, again, we'll see.
0: Uh, how do you feel about the DH National League and uh, who's a good candidate for it with the Phillies I
2: love it uh, I like the National League game uh, I've always liked it I've always preferred it um, I mean I understand uh, where it comes from and, and I know that's kind of the way the wind was blowing uh, even before the pandemic hit that we were going to get there eventually I think so uh, maybe we get there a couple of years early and, and um so be it. Um, but I, 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 do like this. I like having the pitcher hit. I like having the the double switch. I like having um, the strategy involved. Uh, with you know, do I hit from my pitcher? Do I let him? Do I want to keep him in another inning? You know, um, to me that that's part of the game, and and I, I will miss that part of the game. As for who does it, I mean, um, you know, Jay Bruce is an obvious candidate right off the bat. Uh, because now that Andrew McCutcheon is healthy, uh, a guy like Jay Bruce could, could settle in and and, uh, and be your DH. Alec Boehm uh, may get a shot. You know, I, I could I could very well see him making his debut at some point, and uh, maybe DH is the role. Uh, but again, the injuries might play out over the you know, or the COVID injured list might come into play. If guys are sick, uh, who knows? I, I just think it's going to be it's going to be interesting. It's going to be weird. It's going to be very different. And um, but I think we're all excited to have it back.
0: Yeah, uh, it's, it's interesting because obviously in doing the, the the state college spikes games, I saw him at Williamsport many times. Um, I think the fact that I think moving him over to first base or him being a DH is perfect for him because putting him at third base, I think hurts his hitting. <laughs>
2: And, you know, I mean, I'm not saying he couldn't have gotten there, that he couldn't have, with more work, uh, become a, a top-flight uh, defensive third baseman uh, or even a top-flight, you know, defensive first baseman. I it still may be in his future, but um, it gives you the opportunity to get his bat to the big leagues right away. And a lot of people feel like his bat, you know, his bat is ready to play. And um, if that wasn't an option, if DH wasn't an option, we wouldn't be talking about Alec Bohm, I, I think. That he would he would definitely go to Lehigh Valley and get more seasoning and more work defensively.
0: Right, no, I agree with that. Um, what about the extra inning rule, which you referenced earlier? Where, now, I, I'm the one that has experience with this, uh, putting the runner on yeah. second to start. What do you think about that? Well,
2: having never seen it in practice, at least on paper, I don't love it. Um, you know, again, I know where they're coming from. I know what the rule is designed to do. Um, but I like extra innings. I like um, how those games come up now and then, and you have the marathon. And you know, I mean, I, I just think they're memorable nights, and uh, I, w- I would miss having them. I again like the DH situation. I know where it's coming from. You know, I know the motivation behind it, but I kind of feel like you need to get on. You need to earn your way. At, a board, and you need to earn your way in.
0: Uh, when it first came up, I'm with you. I, I wasn't crazy about it. So the first game of the season, it happens. State College plays Williamsport. Williamsport runs out. The, last, the guy that made the last out in the previous inning is the runner to start at second base. Okay. Ironically, the second night, they go to Williamsport. And doggone, the thing goes into extra innings again. Right, and the fans down below the broadcast booth in Williamsport start chanting. That's not baseball. <laughs> they kept chanting it over and over. <laughs> well, one thing,
2: one thing, Major League Baseball doesn't have to worry about is just hearing that chant. This yeah, that's year, right. right. I mean, right. they're not going to have to endure that. Uh, I, you know, I mean, I, I can, I can also kind of see in the minor leagues where you don't have the luxury of, yeah. You know, getting getting by with extra pitching, and it's it's a lot harder to call guys up and, and add extra arms. You know, that's what the minor leagues are for—to to bolster the big leagues, and and those guys go up and they provide reinforcements if you get into a marathon game and you burn through all your pitching. But um, uh, I don't, I, I just don't like the idea in general. I, I wish they would play it straight and the way it was—it's uh, always been played, but. Uh, It's not going to be that way this year. And the other thing I don't like, Steve, is is the fact that you would play, I I say all season, a total of 60 games, but you would play all season by one set of rules, and then you go to the playoffs, and you'd play by a different set of rules. Mm -hmm. So I don't like that either.
0: Right. Well, exactly. Uh, Exactly right. Um, Now, you mentioned the three-batter rule. Now, that was going to come into play this year no matter what. How would you feel about that one?
2: Yeah, I, I, again, I just think these are things that that I don't think they necessarily needed to be
0: done. I just, I, I totally agree with you. totally agree with that. <laughs> I, I don't, like, for me, I don't get,
2: um, I, I mean, I know what I'm told. I don't think in practice it will solve what they feel like is the issue, and that is a lack of activity. Um uh, the, you know that whatever there's too much time changing pitchers and the game takes too long. The game takes too long because guys don't swing the bat, like yes. swing the bat, put the ball in play. Yes, and that means get a pitcher out there that's more aggressive. I just finished reading. I, look, I know every pitcher is not Roy Halladay. I yep. get it. Yep. I just finished reading the, the biography just you know talking about number of complete games and, and talking about his mindset and his desire to be aggressive and and how the game changed for him once he learned how to be aggressive and to throw strikes. And I just think that's the biggest thing about our game right now is that if you throw more strikes, you will force more uh, action. Um, If you call more strikes, you will force more action. I mean, I think something as little as that, just call more strikes and you will force guys to swing the bat. Um, For me, that's how you fundamentally improve the because I don't necessarily think it's time I think for me I think it's inactivity I agree. when I agree. You, when you have a game that the first eight or nine batters let's say both teams combined uh, either walk strike out or you know or you know I mean we've had we've had a number of games where it's 45 minutes in before ball is put in play yeah Right? And it's, it's like, what is going on? Um, that's not baseball. Um, so somehow you got to get them to swing the bat more, and I don't think limiting the pitching changes is going to do it.
0: I'll take a small example, then I'll expand it to the bigger example. small example is this. Whenever there's a rain out in the minor leagues, they'll play a doubleheader, and it's two seven-inning games. In the seven-inning game, when I'm broadcasting that, I feel like there's a greater sense of urgency once you get to about the third or fourth inning, as opposed yep. to later because you lose the two innings. This is a 60-game season. Is this a sense of urgency right out of the gate, or about 20, 25 games in, there's going to be a sense of urgency? How do you view the big picture of 60 games?
2: I, I think that if you don't play with that sense of urgency from the very beginning, you could find yourself in a world of trouble in the blink of an eye yep. i mean yep. I, I think i think you would be if you're if you're a guy that's a veteran player that has been around the league a long time and you think about what okay think about what 2 weeks is like in baseball right 2 weeks is nothing but 2 weeks goes by pretty fast and if you have two really bad weeks you could play as many as 13 14, you know, somewhere in their games, that's almost a quarter of your season. I mean, 15 games and your season is one quarter over. And and literally, I I think it's going to be a real eye-opener for players to, to, like, hey, we've had a bad stretch, you know, we just lost, you know, seven out of nine or whatever. Um,
0: that's a huge chunk of your season. Yes. Yeah.
2: Uh, so so I think that's going to be a, a, a real eye-opening experience on the idea that, like you said, if you if there's no sense of urgency right away, then you're gonna you could you could very well find yourself in big trouble in no time at all.
0: Have they told you how you'll be allowed to do your job?
2: Well, uh, yes and no. Uh, we're, uh, the radio crews around baseball are allowed to travel, and by that I mean, uh, if I if I wanted to do a game in New York against the Yankees or Mets, you know, Phillies-Yankees, Phillies-Mets, I would get to use the booth. They would let me in the stadium. (laughs) Um, But that's about it. Uh, You know, I'd kind of, I don't want to say be on my own, but I I would not be traveling with the ball club. And um, so I think what most everybody is doing, um, and I know the the working plan for us is that we will – Technically, I mean, we'll just set up in our booth at Citizens Bank Park for home games and for road games. Okay. So some of them will watch them live, just like we always have. Uh, but some of them, the road games, we would just watch off a, off a TV monitor, and um, you know, do the best we can we can calling calling from there. I, I don't know. I know they've talked about different, you know, things with camera angles and uh, you know. I'm not a guy that uses the monitor very much except on replays. You same here. You know, after the fact, I, I, I've never been one that can watch the the screen and then look up and find the ball in front of me live. Uh, I just can't, I don't have that aptitude. I don't know. Maybe if I did it a lot, I would learn, but you know, you, um, I did minor league baseball. I just, we didn't have monitors. Right. Right. <laughs> we didn't have replays. You just watched the game. Right. right. Um, so that's what I'm used to. So doing it off of a monitor may be uh, a challenge, but um, but we'll we'll figure it out. And I think more than anything, it's probably just uh, practice and repetition. And, and uh, you know, and we'll see. We'll do the best we can.
0: And you will. I promise you, you will, Scott. It's great no. to hear you. You know, and I hope it was. A, hey, good it, to talk to you, Steve. Well, I hope it was easier talking to me than counseling your children
2: (laughs) oh my gosh so much easier so much easier no doubt hey
0: it's great to hear my friend and uh no matter what situation they put you in you'll be brilliant i know you will
2: appreciate it steve talk to you again
0: soon you bet scott scott fransky the voice of the philadelphia phillies and again the phillies will be on eagle 107 this year uh, starting in 17 days, if all goes well. It's interesting about the testing. There are some players that have obviously opted out. I think David Price and Ryan Zimmerman so far would be the two most prominent names that have opted out. Mike Trout still isn't sure what to do. Uh, I, believe, I believe Mike Trout's wife is pregnant right now. Uh, so uh, he hasn't decided yet what to do. Ian Desmond of the Rockies opted out. Uh Aaron Judge, though, is all in. In fact, Judge says he has healed up from that rib injury that occurred during spring training. You remember spring training, don't you? It happened back in February and into early March. Well, he is now completely healed, and he says he is set to go for the restart. And the Yankees, by the way, will open with the Washington Nationals on July the 23rd. So that's 16 days away. The Dodgers and Giants will be the other half of that doubleheader Then everybody else, including the Phillies, will open up on the 24th in 17 days. And again, you'll hear Scott Fransky and Larry Anderson, the entire crew on Eagle 107 the rest of this summer and then at least a little bit, if not more so, into the fall. This has been a clever ruse by the Pirates and the Baltimore Orioles. It is... July the 7th. Who would have thought back in January that the Orioles and the Pirates would still be in the thick of it on July 7th? It's a bad joke in the COVID-19 world. But remember what 60 games means. And all you have to do is to look to last year's Washington Nationals who won the World Series in seven games through 50 games last year. The Nationals were nineteen and thirty-one. They wouldn't have made the postseason. Today's show brought to you by Sunbury Motors, Fourth Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, Routes Eleven and Fifteen in Hummel's Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. In the next half hour, Rich Scarcella, Reading Eagle, on Penn State football here on News Radio 1070 WKOK.